Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. Amen. You guys can take a seat. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors at Revision. I'm excited to be here today. How about you? All right. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Paper Walls, where we're talking about some of the obstacles in life that hold us back. I think for all of us, there are a lot of things worth carrying from season to season, like good friends and good habits, but there are also things we should leave behind, things not worth dragging into the next season of our lives with us, like our fears and our anxieties. And so we're, what we're going to do over the course of the next few weeks is take a look at some of the biggest fears and anxieties plaguing Americans in 2022, as identified by a whole bunch of different studies. Because I think that even though from a distance that stuff looks scary, from a distance they look like obstacles and impediments that keep us from moving forward and leave us stuck doing what we've been doing or or not doing what we've been not doing, even though from a long way off they look like obstacles, if we get up close and push a little, they're flimsy. We see walls, but the reality is they're made out of paper, and God is inviting us in the immortal words of Jim Morrison to break on through to the other side. And so we're going to take a look at a few of of these big fears and big anxieties. And don't get me wrong, some of this stuff is actually scary and it's actually intimidating. But I think it's really easy for us to dress up our, our fears about what might happen, like their certainties about what will happen, and then try to convince ourselves and everyone around us that we ought to live within the confines of those walls. And it's really easy to see it when our kids are doing this. And it was easy for our parents to see it when we do it, like allowing our fears to become these prisons that, that hold us back. And we can even see it when our friends do it, or our neighbors do it, or our employees do it, or our bosses do it. It's easy to see this a mile away in other people, but difficult to see it six inches in front of our faces when it comes to our own lives, because we're convinced that these obstacles are just impenetrable, and we don't even dare push on them. But where we see walls, God sees paper. And he wants to liberate us from the prison of these fears and anxieties that have been holding us back from the future he says we were created for. And so my prayer over the course of this series is that we just begin to see through his eyes. But I want to warn you right off the bat, this is not a self-help series. This is a self-sacrifice series. I'm not going to stand up here every week and give you like three simple steps to avoid any and all pain in your life and make all of your wildest dreams come true. That's not how the world works. And anybody who tells you differently is trying to sell you something or buy your vote. It just, it just is, right? The world is a difficult, scary place. And these obstacles are real. I'm not even going to tell you that you can conquer all of them on your own or that you have the strength within you to break through every barrier that might lie ahead. You don't, but even if those things are too big for us, our God is too big for them. 
And so my goal, my hope, is that we would find liberation in God from the fears and the anxieties that are robbing our futures and keeping us from the incredible adventure of self-sacrificial impact. God says he dreamed us up and knit us together to live. I want us to find freedom from the fears that limit our lives, because we all have them, right? If I ask the question today, how has fear held you back? How has fear made your life worse? Every single person in this room could shout out some answers. For me, one of them happened a couple days ago. The exhaust fan in our bathroom quit working like a, a while ago, and I was just trying to live without it until Jenny said, hey, do you think that's mold on the ceiling of our shower? And sure enough, it was. It gets pretty wet pretty frequently, and so we're like, all right, I got to replace this fan. And I think it broke because it was original to the house in 1957. Like, that's how old and rusty it was. So I went to Home Depot, I picked up a new exhaust fan, I cracked open YouTube and watched a video about how to put it in and realized I was going to have to go into my attic to make this thing happen. And going into an attic is not fun anyway, because fiberglass insulation is itchy, but my attic has bats. Or at least it had bats. We thought we were a no-pet family seven years ago when we moved in. And then we learned that we'd inherited an entire colony of winged rodents that the previous owners must have accidentally forgotten to check off on the disclosure. So it was really, really fun. And I've gotten amazing at catching bats. And we expelled the bats. We put on all new siding and soffits and gutters. And so they've been mostly gone. But I've caught more bats in the last seven years than I can even count. And so public service announcement it has nothing to do with the topic this morning. But if you have a bat in your house and you need it gone, just call me. I will come get it. I caught one out of midair in a bucket. And then I was like, no way. Just use centripetal force to keep it in there until I launched it into the yard. So... I got you. <laughs> but anyways, we hadn't had bats in a while, long story short, but we've had a couple this fall. And so then I poked my head in the attic and I thought, you know what? I can catch bats on my turf, but up here is their turf. And not only that, it's little, it's cramped. I can't move. I can't dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. And I looked around and thought, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. And so what I did instead was cut a massive hole in the drywall of my ceiling in the bathroom so I could just install that exhaust fan while standing in the bathroom. But after I got it up, I realized, hey, it's mounted. Now there's a huge hole that bats could fly straight through. <laughs> it was not my greatest strategic moment, but fear will get you. Like, it's, it's real. It's this future-based emotion that makes us upset right now about something that might happen later. There might be pain coming. I might not have what I need. I might get hurt. And it creates this massive amount of anxiety in us. And that's why multiple studies show that the future is one of the greatest sources of worry for people across planet Earth. As humans, we're almost universally anxious about it because it's unknown and it's uncontrollable. And that panics us, especially here in America. We live in a nation of complete control freaks. We want to orchestrate every single ounce of our lives. And we get nervous when we can't do that. But the future is something we can't control. I mean, most of the control we have is illusory at best, right? But we can't even pretend like the future is something we got to grip on. And any ideas we used to have about how that might have been possible have definitely flown out the window over the course of the last two and a half years, right? 
Like the future is out there and it's scary. And so no matter who we are or what we've got going, every single one of us is looking ahead at a whole bunch of unknowns. And so what I want to do this morning is just talk about this paper wall we call the future. This big, scary obstacle in our lives that's holding us back from actually living, that's keeping us from being as fully present as we could be right here, right now, right where God's placed us, because we're worried about what might be coming later. I think so often... For us, the future feels like a barrier we'll never move beyond or, or like an ever-present source of anxiety and worry in our lives. The future we can't control is scary. And if we'll let it, it will create an anxiety in us that prevents us from stepping into the future God says we were made for. And he has something to say about that. So this morning, we're going to take a look at what God has to say by digging into the story of a guy whose future was changed in an instant. Like in one moment, he got ripped out of everything he'd ever known and thrust into a situation where everything was murky and he had no idea what he was doing and he was just about to lose it. His name is Joshua. So if you have a Bible or a Bible handy this morning, you can crack it open to the book of Joshua. It's toward the beginning, sandwiched between Deuteronomy and Judges. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along with the words on the screen or in the Revision app. And if you need one or your kids do, we have them for a bunch of different ages and a bunch of different colors. Back at that Next Steps table, we have reading plans. They're free. Please take whatever you need before you leave today. But the book of Joshua tells the story of, of the nation of Israel that's been liberated from 400 years of slavery in Egypt and wandered through the desert for a really long time and come to the cusp of the promised land. And it kicks off in a pretty morbid way with the prepositional phrase, after the death. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you... And all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful." Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. First things first, if you think you're in a spot right now where you're stressed out about your future, you got nothing on Joshua. His mentor, his leader, his hero just kicked the bucket and he's got to take over and he is about to freak out. How do we know that? Because God had to tell him three times in seven verses, like three times in a 30-second conversation, be strong and courageous. And the third time he had to yell at him a little. He's like, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
And I love it because it reminds me of these conversations I have with my kids all the time. You're like at a youth football game, like, hey, just have fun. Like, really, that's the only thing that matters. Have fun. And I keep saying have fun. And the face is saying, I'm going to puke. I'm so nervous. And you're like, it's youth sports. This is not worth puking over. And also, the whole point is to have fun. But until it registers, you just got to start yelling. You're like, what did I say? What did I say? What did I say? What did I say? I said have fun. This is totally what God's doing. He's making all these promises to Joshua. And he's like, hey, be strong and courageous. And the whole time Joshua's listening, but he's kind of making this face. And God's like, he's just not getting it. Like, what did I say? What did I say? What did I say? Be strong. Be courageous. I'm with you, man. But it's not shocking that Joshua needed to hear this a couple times. Like, it's a pretty intense space that he's occupying when God shows up and tells him, Hey, man, Moses is dead. Get these people ready to go. Because the thing of it is, like, Joshua wanted a whole lot of information from God while he's taken over. Like, there was a laundry list of things he would have loved clarity about in this moment. But the one thing he needed no more clarity on was that Moses was dead. Like, he knew that. He wanted all the rest of the answers. Then God shows up. He's like, yeah, dude, Moses croaked. You ever feel like God is giving you the answers you already know, but not the ones you want? I do. Joshua did. I mean, he's in this intense moment of assuming leadership over this entire nation. His world just got rocked. You guys, Moses talked to God face to face, and then he would leave this tent where he was talking to God, literally glowing because of God's presence. Like, as a leader, when that's you, you don't even got to say brilliant stuff anymore. You can just walk around being like, and they follow you. And now that guy's gone, and nobody understands the implications better than Joshua. The entire nation knows that Moses is dead, and all they're left with is Josh. You ever been around somebody so awesome they made you look awesome? Like played on a team with somebody who was so good, it made it seem like you were good? How many people have won championship rings because they were on Michael Jordan's team or LeBron's team or Tom Brady's team? But then sometimes what God does is moves the awesome person and all that's left is just some, no all. That's Joshua. And God looks at him and says, now then you, now then you get these people ready to cross over into the land I promised them. Joshua had spent a whole long time thinking he could not move forward without Moses, but Moses couldn't go where God wanted to take Joshua, and so it's time for him to lead. But he has no idea how to do the thing God just called him to do. God's asking him to cross the river and conquer the promised land, but his entire training, his entire mentorship under Moses has been Wondering. You guys, Moses was a wizard at wondering. He's like a professional wanderer. And so when he knew Joshua was going to be the next leader, they'd have staff meetings, like staff meetings, Moses. (laughs) 
That's a church joke. But anyways, like Monday morning staff meetings, Moses is like, all right, Josh, this is how you wonder. Get up in the morning and pack your stuff. And then if the cloud moves, get out there in front and follow it. And when it stops, stop, unpack. Are we tracking? We'll go over this again next Monday. And then God goes, hey, Joshua, time to cross over the river, conquer the promised land. It's time for warring. And Joshua just about has a panic attack. He's like, warring? I don't even think about warring. All I know is wondering. That's the only thing you've ever taught me. But God says, go. And what I love so much about this story is that for any of us, who feel panicked about the future, who feel like, man, I don't even know how I'm going to get there. Like, Joshua's story has a whole lot to teach us. Because not only does he get told he's got to do something he's never done before, he gets told he's got to kick that off by crossing the Jordan River, which is sometimes dry and easy to cross. Not now, though. No, God picked flood season to cross the river. (laughs) And... Joshua's like, cool, 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 cool. I'm in over my head. Now the whole nation of people is about to be in over their head. And you just know, you can picture it. He, he walks up to the banks of the river. And he's just seeing that scene from Oregon Trail in his head. Where you click Ford the river and it doesn't go good. And he's pretty sure the message on the back end is going to be, you lost four priests, 37 children, one Ark of the Covenant, and God's presence. He's like, oh, great. What do I do? But you guys, there are some things God says and some promises God makes Joshua in this short conversation that I think can liberate us from this idea that the future is a barrier we'll never move beyond. From this idea that the the unknown that lies ahead is actually keeping us from the story God wants to write with our lives. And the first thing we learn is like verses three through six, God tells Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory is going to go from Lebanon to Euphrates, the Hittite country, the Mediterranean. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'm going to give you this land that I promised your ancestors I'd give you. I think when most of us read this passage, we want to get right to that part where God says, I will give you and then stop and hold out our hands and be like, all right, I'm ready. Give it to me. Give me that future that I want. But that's not the whole sentence. God says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Listen, God has a future he wants to give you, but you have to step into it. The first thing I want us to see this morning is that like, if you want to move beyond where you are, then you have to move. If you want to conquer the obstacle of anxiety over the future in your life, then you need to participate in the promise. You need to participate in the promise. Because I think so often what happens is whenever things get difficult or they get scary or we don't know what to do, we get really frustrated and grumpy and we even get angry at God and our natural response is just be like, God, fix this. God, why are you not fixing this? God, hurry up and fix this. And we want to like sprinkle some pixie dust on us so we feel better or, or reach down and pick us up and lift us right out of where we are and set us right where we want to be. Not where he wants us, but where we want to be. And we love the idea of God changing our situation, but we're less cool with the idea of God changing us in the middle of our situation, transforming us, working on us, shaping us into a people who understand who he is and who he created us to be so that we can go do what he created us to do. 
And it's hard though. It's hard when life is difficult not to just expect that God will change the future for us. But sometimes he's doing something that requires our participation in the promise. I mean, Joshua gets told, like, I will give you everywhere you set your foot, but not one inch more. And you want to know the tragic truth about all that vast land God described to Joshua? He didn't conquer it all. Not because God stopped, but because Israel did. They got intimidated and they quit moving forward and then they sat there whining about how they didn't get the full blessing God had promised. And man, I can't help but look at my life and wonder how many times I've done the same thing. Like how many times have all of us done that? Gotten intimidated that there might be giants out ahead, that there, there could be lions and tigers and bears behind that wall. And so we shrink back and we retreat and then we believe that we lost the battle when all we really did was quit before it was over, like before God was finished. It's hard not to shrink back when life punches us in the face, but sometimes God is at work in ways we don't realize. And in these moments, if we will walk forward trusting that he is who he says he is, and he is who he has always been, then he will teach us something not only about his character, but about our purpose. And fear will try to hold us back from that every single time. But my honest question for myself when I look in the mirror is, what am I so scared of? Like death? Because avoiding death is not the same as pursuing life. If we want to chase life and purpose and be liberated from fear of the future, we got to participate in the promise. So God tells Joshua, hey, I know the future looks fuzzy, but I promise if you will keep walking, what you'll find is not only that I know what lies ahead, but that I'm there. The future is not just something I know, it's somewhere I am. So go, and I will go with you. And then God gives Joshua another step for conquering this anxiety about what's coming down the line. In verses 7 and 8, he says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left. You may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it night and day. Be careful to do all the things written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And this is powerful, but it's not very ambiguous. God's looking at Joshua saying, Hey, I know that you don't know what's coming when you get across the river. You don't know what's going to change about your life and your leadership. You don't know how the people are going to react. There's a lot of stuff that's unclear and uncertain for you right now. But one thing you do know is my law. You know how I said I hardwired humanity to live when I created the world. And I promise if you will live like that, what you'll find is less fear in and less fear of the future. I think that exact same thing is true for us because when we begin to trust that God is good against what sometimes feels like daily evidence to the contrary, when we begin to trust that he really means it and that he really knows better than we know, something beautiful happens inside our souls. We actually get set free from this anxious agenda of really, really hoping we can get God onto our plans. And we get onto his plan instead. And that's a more peaceful, beautiful 
plan for our lives. I think part of the reason we're so scared about the future is that something inside of us doubts that God will really figure it out and just make it the way we want it to be. But if we can release that part of us and decide that we're going to get onto his agenda rather than our own, what we'll find is not just peace, but beauty and meaning and purpose, the beauty and meaning and purpose that we were created for. And then God kind of closes this little conversation by, by driving home his main point. It's one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. If you're churchy, if you grew up in or around church, you probably had to memorize this as a kid. I did. He says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Or the King James Version is, the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I don't know why, that's the one I memorized as a kid, but I had a problem with it, because I learned it completely outside of its context. And so every time I felt scared, and every time I felt overwhelmed, which was a lot, it still is a lot. I've given way too much of my life and my energy and my time to being afraid. I thought, oh, I failed God. I, I broke this command. God says I'm supposed to be strong and courageous, but I am neither. I'm weak and timid, and I, I'm sure he's just super disappointed in me, and so I'm going to do better next time. I have no idea how to do better because all I've ever been is scared and weak, but I, God wants me to be strong and courageous, and I got convinced growing up that what I needed was more faith because faith is the opposite of fear, right? Wrong. Wrongity, wrong, wrong, wrong. I read an article that said that this week, and I don't want to throw the author under the bus, but that's a stupid idea. Faith is not the opposite of fear. Fear is faith. It's just faith in the wrong thing. As human beings, we can't help it. Something inside of us looks out ahead and goes, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Fear is when we believe that the worst bits of our imagination are more powerful than the love of our God. Fear is faith. It's just faith in the wrong thing. But there's this word that the Bible uses when it talks about fear, when it talks about overcoming it, when it talks about the antidote to feeling it in our lives. And if we're going to be brave and we're going to be courageous and we're going to step from where we are toward where God wants us to be, we got to get this word. And it's not bravery and it's not courage and it's not faith and it's not any of the things that we would expect. The word is love. Love. If you want to get over the anxiety you have about this fake paper wall called the future, then you need to live like you're loved. That's what God's inviting Joshua to do in this passage. As he faces this incredible, difficult task that lies ahead of him, he's like, listen, you are loved. I know you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I will not abandon you. And if you can live like you're loved, it'll change the game for you. And I'm convinced that the exact same thing is true for us. If we get nothing else, if we understand no other thing except for the fact that God is so for us, that he will never abandon us, that God loves us too much to leave us anywhere. If we get that, I'm convinced it will change everything for you and me. Because 1 John 4.18 tells us there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And it does that because it's not conditional, which makes it the opposite of fear. It literally repels fear from our souls. God's love is fear repellent. Romans 8, 35 to 37 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered, knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us.
more than conquerors. There's a fight up ahead. We know that. The world is all sorts of shattered. There are many fights up ahead. But they got nothing on us. I don't care what's coming down the pipe. What pain lies around the corner? None of it, not one bit of it, good or bad, gets to write the final chapter of my story or yours. We are more than conquerors. Like, I just, I know. The statistics are very clear. Some of us walked in here today fixated on a fear of the future. There's something out ahead that we don't know and we can't control and it is causing crushing anxiety in our lives. It's a wall, it's an obstacle cutting us off from life, cutting us off from presence, cutting us off from hope, cutting us off from joy. And I'm not gonna stand here and tell you that it's not legitimate or that it's some sort of mountain you can climb all on your own, but I am going to tell you God is bigger than the thing you're scared of. And his love is real. And his love is for you. And so you can go ahead and let that worry shrivel up and die inside of you as as God's love floods into your soul and replaces it. Because love makes our souls inhospitable to terror. Fear can't live where love lives. And so we got to live like we're loved. And I know some of you aren't sure that you are. You look back at your story, at the things you've done, at the places you've been, at the things that have been done to you, and you're like, I don't even know if it's okay for me to be here in a church, let alone okay for me to live like I'm loved. And I know in this story in the Bible with this Bible hero who has a whole book named after him, Joshua, God promised that he loved Joshua and he'd bless Joshua and he'd go with Joshua into an unknown future. But I'm not him. Like, I'm all sorts of messed up. I got tears and cracks in my story. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm no Joshua. What I think is so cool about this passage is that that's exactly what Joshua was thinking. He was sitting there thinking, I'm no Moses. I know God loved Moses. I know God said he'd go with Moses. I know God made promises to Moses, but I'm not him. And he's praying, God, I don't know you. Like Moses knew you. But what God's trying to do in verse nine, where he's like, hey, be strong and courageous. I'm going with you. I'm not gonna leave you. I love you. In verse five, where he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What God's trying to thunder into Joshua's soul is I know I know you don't know me like Moses knew me yet, but I know you like I knew Moses. And I love you, so let's go. And God wants to say the same thing to every single one of us this morning. He knows you like he knew Moses and Joshua, like he knows me, like he knows every single person in this room. He knows us and he loves us. And if we would just let his love come in and flood our souls, it would change the game because God's love is aggressive. It's like a mean middle linebacker. It just violently clears out everything else in its path. It gives fear something to fear. And so if I got an invitation for you this morning, it's to let God's aggressive love get all up in your soul and start clearing out the stuff that's making you afraid. I want to invite you to participate in the promise even when it's scary to take that step. To commit to God's commands because his path forward is a better and more beautiful way and to live like you're loved. Because his love casts out fear and creates courage in us. I know it's hard. It's, it's not a simple thing. If you're anything like me, you've lived with so much fear for so long, it feels like it's a part of your identity and you don't even know how to live without it. 
And old habits die hard. It's not going to be easy to walk out of here and stop going, what if, what if, what if, what if, and then dress up our fears about what might happen, like there's certainties about what will happen, and panic because we feel like the future is a wall we can't break through. But you guys, God is bigger than our what ifs, and he's bigger than our walls, and the future isn't just a thing he knows, it's a place he is. And if we will live like that's true, something powerful will happen each time fear threatens to well up inside of us. Instead of deciding that that's worth putting our faith in and allowing it to imprison us and hold us back, we can start to recognize that fear in our lives is often a product of an enemy who's afraid of our lives. That the places where we're most scared is the places where the enemy of our souls, where the darkness around us most desperately doesn't want the light of God to shine in us and the mission of God to be accomplished through us. But if we'll understand who loves us and who says he goes with us, then we not only don't have to be afraid of the future anymore, we can create a future where we are a source of fear to all of the darkness and all of the brokenness and all of the hatred and all of the violence and all of the injustice that surrounds us. As we walk out of here, liberated to know that whatever comes our way, good or bad, difficult or easy, none of it gets to write the final chapter of our story. Only the love of God gets to do that. And that means we are free not only to not fear the future, but to go out and be dangerous to the darkness. That's what God created us for. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, I pray for every single one of us this morning. I pray for all the people sitting here like me. We've got stuff coming down the pipe, stuff up ahead in the future that freaks them out a little bit, that causes their souls to be disquiet. I pray for all of us that you would remind us you have a future for us that looks nothing like the worst of our imaginations, that you remind us that these things that feel like obstacles are nothing to you, that where we see walls, you see paper, that you remind us that you have the power to change our stories and that you created us and put us here to make a difference in the lives of the people we crash into. I, just, I pray for liberation today. I pray that you would thunder in our souls, that every last one of us would walk out of here, no matter what's going on, no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, knowing that we know that we know that we are loved and you go with us. That we're loved and you go with us. That we would live like we're loved in a way that drives out and casts away all of these fears and all these anxieties about what lies ahead. Lord, would your aggressive love clear out all that stuff? And would you remind us today that the future isn't just a thing you know, it's a place you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.